Welcome, welcome. My name is Andy Ardate. I'm a 22-year-old published author, a serial entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. Here to my left, I have Charlie Chino. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thanks for having me. To my right, I have Greg, the big dreamer walker. Thank you, sir. So we're here, we're here to talk about a little bit about ourselves, what we do, what we're going to be doing, and a little bit about the Southern California Sales Growth Conference. A few months ago, I had a thought, I had an idea of helping people to go to the next level in their sales. I contacted Charlie, I contacted Greg, and a few other people, and we collaborated to put on an event to help people go to that next level. So first, we're gonna start off with Charlie. I wanna find out a little bit more about what Charlie does, his past, and what he's gonna bring on at the event. Charlie, what's your background? And when we talk about sales, what's your background in sales? Uh, I've pretty much been in sales my entire life. I mean, since I was a kid, grew up in Buffalo, uh, New York, and probably, you know, eight, nine, started, you know, doing odd jobs in yeah. the neighborhood for, for um, neighbors, you know, had a paper route, then I had multiple paper routes, and, you know, you name it, I did it. Shoveled snow. Um, Christmas time, 13 years old, I asked my parents for a snowblower so I can go and get contracts to know, go get. at the neighbors and, and generate income. So I've always been in sales. Um, I love sales. I love the engagement. And honestly, uh, I love the hunt. If I'm not selling or I'm not talking or I'm not promoting, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, a product or service, I, I actually get anxiety. <laughs> well, when, you, when you're talking about that you went out to shovel snow, we're in Nevada. When Greg and I were traveling here, it was 103 degrees outside. Where were you? I was in Buffalo, New York. I left there uh, when I was 19, 20 years old to come here to Las Vegas and pursue a um, career in hotel restaurant management. I had scholarships from a junior college, Erie Community College back east for hotel restaurant management. I graduated from junior college and the Buffalo Hotel Motel Association, Statler Foundation, gave me some scholarships to uh, come to Vegas and finish up at UNLV. And coincidentally, um, while I was working my way through, through school, when I arrived in Vegas, I got into uh, a sales position. One mm -hmm. thing led to the other, and I never got into the hospitality industry. So I've been in sales all my life. I've owned my own companies, started with nothing, you know, knocking doors and, and built them into something. And then for the past, you know, five years, uh, I've been VP of sales for Lightspeed VT. So Google defines a sale as the exchange of a commodity. What would you define sales as? Well, it's, it's the exchange of a commodity. It's the exchange for any, you know, good or goods and or, or services. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exchange for, lack of a term, a like and kind value. Gotcha, right? Okay. So value can be... Um, subject to interpretation, right? And gets into the whole supply and demand thing. But yeah, it's 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 an exchange. So when we look when we look back at what you do here at Lightspeed, for the viewers that don't know what Lightspeed is, can you just tell them a little bit about Lightspeed? Yeah, we have a virtual interactive training platform and, and uh, we represent and have clients where we take them offline, right? Uh -huh. uh, from their live events or, or you know books and we put them online with our virtual interactive software and teach them how to how to monetize. So we have clients, you know, like Tony Robbins, Les Brown, mm -hmm. um, Zig Ziglar. Unfortunately, is now passed, but um, 
we have his content virtualized and his business still carries on. His son runs that business. They still deliver the content. Eric Thomas, correct? Eric Thomas is our client. Um, yeah, and ET. So yeah, any, anybody that has to deliver any type of content, uh, video content, we can deliver audio, and they want to monetize. And or it could be a large corporation that needs to scalably you know, uh, train or teach their people. Like I have a lot of direct sales companies like Jeunesse, Nurium, um, OmniLife, anybody that needs to scalably train from any laptop, desktop, mobile device, now they can log in, get 100% of the correct information, or you know, you can log in with uh, Les Brown University and now have all of Les's content, you know, in your the, hand, in your hand at the tip, at the tip of, uh, you know, your fingers. So, so what is your role at Lightspeed? I'm vice president of sales. And what does that consist of? That consists of making sure that revenue is being generated on a daily basis. I love it. So uh, do you have people under you as part of your staff to make that happen? Yeah, we have uh, three, four people here. Uh, we have a satellite office in um, Wichita, Kansas. We've got a couple uh, guys out of Florida that work independently. So um, we are always driving revenue, that's the key. And just as important as acquiring customer acquisitions, we help our customers drive revenue and give them marketing strategies so they're selling their content. And obviously, uh, you know, the people that we have, I mean, there's a lot of people that are passionate about you know, teaching people how to lead, teaching people how to speak. So Great. We, we have a real passion to make sure not only are we generating uh, revenue as a company and are profitable, but in the interim, we're helping people, you know, help their Great. people. Great. Right. Now, with Greg here, with Greg Walker, Greg the Big Dream Rock Walker, the author of this book, Dream to Grow Rich, right? A question for you, Greg. What, may, what inspired you first and foremost to write this book that we have here in front of us? Well, I never wanted to write a book. I, I kind of hid my story for years. I've been in the large, fast, largest fast food franchise in the world for 33 years. I was a dumb kid, one of 15, never wanted to work for anybody. People told me, do not get in a franchise in 1984. They would not recognize this thing called Subway. It's a flash. It won't be around. Uh, so I got it, started telling my story, and I joined Toastmasters two years ago. My story got out. It was Les Brown that says, his mentor, Mike Williams, who lives in Columbus, says, you need to write a book, young man. I said, I have nothing to say. He says, you have 10 books in your life. So that's what inspired me. And then uh, Les Brown asked me if he could write the forward to it. Um, my friend Jim Clemens, Phil Jackson, Jim Clemens, both coach Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. They have two men that has 10 NBA rings. He wanted to write something for in the book. So I wanted to write this book to help someone. You know, someone asked, when does a man or woman die? I believe it's when their dreams die. Mm. You know, I was called a big dreamer because I had big dreams being the only one to ever make it out of the ninth grade. My father had 18 brothers and sisters. My mother had 14, I had 14. I'm the only one to ever get past the ninth grade. I was asked to drop out of high school my very first day, but because of a very loving teacher who saved me, she taught me that I'm more than what my circumstances are. So this book right here, I want people to look at this book, throw away the excuses, and stop saying, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the look, I don't wear suits, but I'm representing Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia for the World Championship Public Speaking next week in Canada. I tell people, I retired 12 years ago, my wife and I age 39. I don't have the look of you guys, but my tribe, my people aren't like that. When I go into my offices and I go to hire CPAs or financial advisors, they wear suits. I don't wear suits, this is me. So this book is to tell people to be who you are. And on social media now, 2017, 
Listen, Mark Zuckerberg does not wear a suit. If you have to wear a suit, if Charlie feels great in a suit, you look you look fly. You look sweet in a suit. Thank you. That's not you. Eric Thomas and I talked before. We both don't wear suits. This is who we are. Yes, Les Brown tries to get me to take the hat off and put a suit on, but he's 72. <laughs> this is me. So this book is to inspire people to go past the excuses, to stop whining, stop bitching, as Brad Lee would say, and just have a dream. If you have a daily grind, just like your uncle who's a plumber, your dad who's a construction worker, and you have that side hustle at night on your days off when your kids are kicking a soccer ball, this book will take you from where you are to where you want to go. There's no fluff in it. I tell people all the time when you whine about life, shut up. Because as Brad once told me, if we put, get a table and we put our problems in, you will probably pull your problem out because someone in the world worse no has question. worse life mm. than you. So no that's why I wrote this book, to help people understand that everything is possible. Listen, Andy, you know I didn't ask my wife at 30 years to marry me. I was too shy. Now I speak all over the place. I speak with Les. I speak in Zambia, Africa. I'm going to Israel. I'm speaking here tomorrow in California. I just spoke in uh, California two months ago. I'm doing 20 book signings. 20 book signs. I did my first one around. Change, you changed your world. You, you, you yeah. changed your world around. Yes. Before before going into business, because I know your story. Yes. Before going into business, what was life like? Just prior to going into business. Uh, prior to that, it it um, it's the only life I knew. You know, sucking with uh, parents who were alcoholic, drug addicts, with my brothers being in prison, sisters being prostitutes. I'm the first one out of my family to ever make it past ninth grade. Only one, and and the first one to graduate high school. The only millionaires my family, my generation has ever met was me. Mm. That's it. And I was called a big dreamer. Who are you to think that you're going to open up one, one restaurant? Did I hear 55? Did I hear 210? You're a big dreamer. Well, you know, be who you are. If you be your authentic you, people will love you. You will find the people in your, in your tribe, the people that you attract. I don't attract the same people that, that someone who wears a $1,200 Armani suit. I attract people who like this look right here and I, if i'm going to lose in life i'm going to lose at being me not someone were else. you always a millionaire uh became a millionaire my wife and i age 28. so you weren't always a millionaire oh no 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 you're talking about listen my bedroom is bigger than the house i grew up with 14 siblings mm. so i used to pick worms my book talks about i used to pick worms to help feed my family because we had to pick worms to give money to my father i can't even look at gummy worms now i hate it but that's where i fell in love with the entrepreneurship because i would see my drug addict brothers and sisters Picking two cans, three cans, getting high, getting drunk, taking them. I thought, what if I pick 20 cans and only give my father two cans? Now, I thought I was being wrong by that. Now I know I was just being a business person. I was, I was surviving. So that's why I fell in love. If I can sell something, I always thought this. How can I make 50 cents and turn into $1.50? How can I get $1.50 and turn it into $4.50? So that's the same way I look at life now. I told you, I'm teaching people how they can make a million dollars by selling 100 books. What did I say? People say, how are you going to make a million dollars? You sell 100, in, in Ohio, there's 1,800 schools. If you sell 500 schools, 100 books, that's 50,000 books. 50,000 times $20 is 1 million. So all you got to do is find 500 organizations, 500 colleges, 500 schools in the world. That's nothing when you think about 100 books times 500. Right. So people say it's impossible. The word impossible itself implies that I'm possible, that you are possible, that everything is possible. The only thing that stops you from selling 50,000 books is this. The only thing that stops you from being a success is this. You have to get away from the excuses. You have to say what I always say, get off the titty. You're not a baby. 
Mm. And go live your freaking life. Come on! Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Charlie, so and when we talk about sales and we're talking about growing sales, mm -hmm. what makes the, the weak salesperson versus a strong salesperson? So a top producer versus a weak link. What's the difference? Well, in a very basic level, it's exposure, right? The more and people are going to say this is basic, but it's not. The more people you expose yourself to, right, the greater um, percentage of a close that you have. So you could be a terrible salesperson, terrible. If you mm. talk to 100 people and offer your product, someone's going to need your product. It's just a matter of time, right? If you don't have a pen, right, and you're selling pens, someone's going to need a pen. You're not right. going to door. Someone's looking for a pen, bam, you, you, got, you got a sale, right? Now, the more you're making your presentation, the better you're getting, right? The more confidence you're building, the better your word tracks become, the more objections you know that you're going to receive so you can anticipate that objection and be ready to take them, not just through the sales process, but to a close. Because we're not looking just to sell, right? Selling is the actual presentation. You're looking to your point when you said, what's a sale? It's an exchange of, right? You're looking for that exchange. That's when the close comes into play and money or services or barter or whatever it is is taking place. So my whole thing is how do you expose and how do you close? Expose and close. So okay. say expose. Expose. Say close. Close. Oh, dude, I'm just, I watched but, you but, speak. But, but I watched this guy speak the other day. I don't know if you caught it. He had the whole audience going bam, bam. Right, right. On point. But, but that's it. It's exposing and closing. So it's sheer numbers. The more you do it, the better you get. The more you do it, the higher your closing percentage. But this is one of the challenges, though. And, and Greg, I would like you to speak on this as well, right after Charlie does. This is one of the challenges. For entrepreneurs who are starting off, it's scary, man. This is something that's brand new. How do I, how do I get out? I'm not talking about me personally, but there's also a group of us who are like, how do we get out in front of people and expose ourselves when it's nerve-wracking? Listen, you have to make a decision. I had this conversation with my going on 16-year-old son last night, right? He said, I get home from school, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. I said, then dude, you need to lead. Then you need to make a decision. Then at 1.15, go talk to one of the teachers and ask them to open up the gym and start. Like, take the lead. When people say that they're, that they're scared, your, your pain just hadn't gotten to the level, right, where you're that scared enough all right, or there's that much pain by your fear where you're willing to overcome it, right? If, if, if you break your arm and you're in pain, eventually you're going to get up and take yourself to the emergency room, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? So people can say, oh, I, I fear. I don't like doctors. I don't like going to hospitals. It's all the same game. So you have to overcome your fears. We all have them, right? Every single person has some type of, of fear or something that they don't like to do. And that's the other thing I told my son last night. He said, well, you know, I don't like this class. Or, Dude, it's life, right? And I told him straight up, I don't, you know, geometry. What's geometry, what's geometry gonna teach me? Probably nothing, son. I never, I never made a dime from geometry, <laughs> right. but it's necessary. It's, right. it, it's, you have to go through it in order to get your end game. He wants to be a dentist, he's in a magnet school. And I said, you need to go through it. So how does that pertain to sales? It's marketing and sales. You, all, you often hear the term sales and marketing. It's not sales and marketing, it's marketing, it's sales. My verbiage is exposure and closure. Expose and close. So when I came here, I had zero account. Zero accounts, right? I sat in with Brad, 
I listened to him make a couple presentations and demos. I'm like, all right, man, I got it. I knew I wasn't going to have the word tracks down perfect, but I knew I had to pick up that phone. I knew I had to get on LinkedIn. I knew how to get on Facebook. Let's get out there. Right? Get out there and hustle. So how do you expose yourself? This. Get out there. Right? The biggest okay. thing that you can do, I'm going to give you all the biggest secret, at least for me, in life. What's the first thing we're given when we're born? Breath. Other than breath. What are your parents, the first thing your parents give you? A kiss. You're good. Smile. An aim. Yeah. Oh, a name. Right? A name. Well, not me. Well, it depends. It depends. <laughs> I, went, I went six months without a name. Well, then we'll call you no name. <laughs> no. You did good. But my, but, my, but my point is, it's, it's exposure. So if you're out there and, you, and you're running into somebody, right? My name's Charlie. Hi, what's your name? My name's Charlie. Andy. Andy. Boom. Right? Now, now, now you got a friend. Now, your name is your brand. How you wrap your package is how you expose yourself. Words trigger pictures which trigger emotions. So when you say Charlie China, maybe you see this. When you see Greg, maybe you see that. When you see Andy, right? Just like now, exposure. How many hours did you take to come and have this meeting with me? Four hours. Four hours. He calls me up, he goes, hey man, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in Vegas, can I stop by and see him? <laughs> I'm like, sure man, come, come on down, right? He said, I'll be there at 12.30. Well, he calls me, I'm running late. He shows up at four o'clock. He tells me that he just got here. I've got, you know, a one-hour meeting with the guy and he's driving back. Well, you're here to expose yourself. Right, right. You're, you're selling right now. So anyway, I can go on and on, but it's alive. I want to keep it very simplistic. You have to go out. You have to go out. Hi, what's your name? You have to get on Facebook, instant message somebody. You have to pick up the phone. Get in front of say, them. Yeah, so I can tell you a million stories of, you know, And sometimes I just get in my car, you know, knock a door, walk in, ignore the no soliciting sign, press the button, and I walk in and I say, hi, my name's Charlie, what's your name? Well, ironically, why I'm here. ironically the, the live that you saw yesterday of me speaking to a Keller Williams group, that's how I got that account. I walked in. You must have had a good mentor. Hey, brother, I love it. Yeah, very true, very <laughs> true. I heard of a story of him going to... John Taffer's office just walking in and making it happen. And I saw that video. This was before I even met Charlie. I just heard the story and I was like, that's what I need to do. I need to do that. So I walked into Keller Williams, talked to the rep uh, receptionist. Hi, I'm here to see the broker. He doesn't take you, uh, people walking in. You got to set an appointment. Well, I need to see him. I drove all the way 40 minutes to get here. I need to see him today. Here's his car. Here's his information. His door is closed. I'm sorry. Can't walk in. I said, okay. I left, picked up my phone, sent him a text. Hey, look, I drove 40 minutes to see you. Can you give me six minutes on your calendar today? Didn't get, didn't, didn't give me any attention. I said, all right, man, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Sent him an email that night. Next day, gave him a call. He recognized my number, picks up. Tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I'm Andy Arday. I'm a 22-year motivational speaker. I wrote an international book called No More Average. I'm looking to motivate your team. Will you give me an opportunity? Sure, because you're creating urgency, dude. People that are people that are busy aren't going to let you interfere with their life because of it's, it's one phone right. call, right? It has to be multiple phone calls. Again, whether it's a knock on a door like you did, or a text, or an email, or a video, or whatever the case. But there's may a be. there's a a level of topsy turvy between being annoying and being persistent. Where do where does that level cut off at? You know that. 
again, that's subject to interpretation and the comfort <laughs> level and how bad you want it. How bad do you want the deal? If you don't have the deal anyway, and I call Greg the 100th time and I piss him off, I didn't have the deal anyway. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference? There is no difference. Right? You so would have lost it anyway. Right, but if I get in front of him and I show him the product or service that could potentially solve his problem, that shift immediately happens. He can gotcha. go from being angry and pissed off to like, hey, wait a minute. I need that. And I can tell you numerous deals, numerous demos, other products or services that I've sold in my lifetime where you're, you think you're being a pain, but you're just being persistent. People don't know what they don't know. Until you get in front just of them. Just like with the John Taffer story. I don't know if you know who, guys know who John Taffer is. Bar Rescue. I went in. He, he wasn't in. His vice president came out. I said, you need to give me two minutes. Well, I, don't, I only work by appointment. I said, well, I'm here now. Give me two minutes. If you don't like what I have to say, kick me out. I showed her the light speed demo. She was like, John needs to see this. So it went from a no, 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 no to, oh, my God, John needs to see this 48 hours. I'm, I'm in the guy's conference room, and we're, and we're working a deal. Right on. Greg, so. So, for, so Charlie has his own view on entrepreneurship, and you have a different story on entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship for everyone is not the same. For you, in your beginning, in your startup, when you were sleeping in your, in your subway, what was the experience like, and how did you overcome the battles and the demons that you had to fight? Well, I had a great mentor uh, when I was young, a guy who started, uh, who worked for a guy who wore, he drove a white Cadillac around with a white suit and a white beard. He was a dishwasher for him, and he worked on being a manager, district manager. He had an eight-year-old daughter who had red hair who could not say Melinda Lou. He wanted to have his own hamburger chain. He hated milkshakes. So his eight-year-old daughter could not say Melinda Lou, she would say Winda. Well, they couldn't name their hamburger chain Winda, so they named it Wendy's. That guy was Dave Thomas, who I met him, my teacher who saved me, introduced me to him. So he always taught me. He said that he was not an entrepreneur because he believed in systems. That's why I like franchises, because they have systems. I believe it's hard to fail when you follow any system. So my demons... I got it with because Dave Thomas, my teacher, always taught me. I graduated 454th out of 455, but I learned from Dave Thomas, who dropped out of 10th grade, who was an orphan. He said that he did not like the word talent because there's a lot of people that are more talented than him. There's a lot of more people who, 454, right? A lot of people graduated top of me, above me, but they're not doing even a quarter of what I'm doing in my life because they rely on their GPA. So Dave Thomas always taught me that if you work hard, if you work hard enough, it's pretty hard to fail in life. So that's why when my uh, other mentor in Subway first started me, he said, young man, if you can work for yourself as you do for me and your wife, my wife, you will surpass us. I thought it was crazy at the time. He said, because hard work is what made this country. Hard work is what made the 80, 90 year old billionaires, not really their GPA, but their hard daily works, their no daily question. habits. So that's what I tell myself every day. If I just have the daily habits that I know I have to do, that I get up, if, if I have a big enough dream, if I have a big enough grind, a big enough hustle to work 90, 108 hours a week, I know I'll be successful at everything I do. That's it. If you just right work, it, when people tell me they failed, I really tell them you haven't worked hard enough. You haven't tried hard enough. Mm. When someone tells me I put in, oh, big dreamer, I put in 55 hours. My wife say my, my husband put 55 hours in in two days. You ain't working hard enough. You're not. Everyone uses the word hustle so much. They use the entrepreneur so much. Most people would never be an entrepreneur because they don't have the backbone. 
They won't sleep. I was speaking to Ashland University and I asked the kids, who wants to have $10 million? They raise their hand. Who wants to sleep in this room for seven days a, a week? Seven days a week, four weeks a month for four years, only leaving an hour to go home and shower. Not one of them raised their hand. I said, you don't deserve $10 million. You don't. Hard work will beat GPA talent. Hard work will beat. That's why most of the billionaires either didn't go to college or they graduated the bottom. Look, Steve, Steve Jobs, two weeks at Reed University. He did all right, right? He did okay. Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of, uh, of uh, Harvard. Uh, Dave Thomas dropped out of 10th grade. So I'm not saying I don't demean education. I'm just saying you don't need education if you want to be an entrepreneur. If you want to be an entrepreneur, go work for someone who started a pizza shop. Go start, go help someone who started a laundry business because you will learn more of that because I always believe my baby went to college, she's educated. How can a college professor who makes $69,000 a year tell my baby girl who grew up with a black card in her crib how to make a million dollars? It's not going to happen. Mm. But the guy who owns three Chinese places, who dropped out of seventh grade in Taiwan? He can teach her how to become a, a millionaire. You made a you made a strong point in there, and, and that's really why when I was when I graduated high school, I went to college for two semesters and realized that college was for me. I need to go learn from an entrepreneur who was already doing it. So I started off working at Metro PCS. I got the opportunity to work right next to the CEO, and the CEO taught me the ropes of running a cell phone store, payroll, having employees, the whole nine yards. A few years later. I opened up my, my own location, went from one location and, and scaled up. But I stopped at four before I moved to California. Now you're at over 200 locations. I know with my employees, it was a little difficult running around all my locations, keeping a hold of things. You were able to scale up to a point where you're in Vegas and you don't have to worry about your stores. You know that they are handled. What is the process from going to from five, not scaling, but what is the process from going to five to 200 look like? It's the same thing. It's management, it's systems. You start with, you start with one, one location, whether it's a laundromat, whether it's a Wendy's, a Subway, whatever it is, you take that, you know your sales are gonna go down at least 10% when you go to multiple stores because you can't be in there to control everything. So then I tell people, I believe in the restaurant business, at least for me, you get five stores, you get a general manager. That store looks over the, those five stores. You get 10 stores, every t five stores you own, you get someone. Then you get a director of operations. The, then you get a, a president. They look at after everything. So I never wanted to be stuck, and I wanted to own a business, not the business own me. Now, if you're an 80-year-old Joe in New York mm -hmm. or uh, Brooklyn, and you own your pizza shop and you want to be there, that's fine. But most people, their business owns them. I wanted to own the business. I wanted the freedom. My wife and I never wanted to make a million dollars. We wanted to be able to donate a million dollars. Wow. Now it's backwards. Everyone on social media says, if I'm not a billionaire by age 30, then I'm a failure, right? I know a lot of, I know a hell of a lot of smart people, and they're not even worth 100 million. They're not even worth 50 million. But you say at 16, if you're not a billionaire by 30, you're a failure, you might as well stamp your head as failure because it's not going to happen. No, you're exactly right. But most people, they, they throw the word entrepreneur around, hustle, grind, but they don't know what it's like. Very few people, that's why statistically, most people will never become a millionaire. They won't. They just, Why is that? Because they, they, want, they want to be the lion, but they don't want to go out and kill like the lion does. They want to have what I have or what Brad Lee has, but they don't want to do what we had to do to get what we had. They just want it. They want UPS to drive a white truck up and give a package and say, there you go, there's your dreams. It ain't going to happen. Gotcha. You got to get out there and you got to sweat. When people ask me what's it like to be an, uh, an entrepreneur, my wife will not go on any video, but she'll speak behind it. She'll say, what's it like to be an entrepreneur? 
set in your 1983 Chevy Chevette crime because you don't have money to buy diapers for your daughter. You don't have enough money to uh, meet rent. You can't pay your electric bill. You, you, you're short on payroll. And people say, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Lamborghinis. I want to talk about the Subway, Subway Lamborghinis. Well, that's 30 years later. They don't want that. They want to skip it. Everyone right now. Well, that's they, because it's not taught in schools. That's because. That's it's right. Not, it's not. It's not taught through the through the education. System. And that's something that that's right. that I I've seen in my age group, <clears throat> in my generation, is that when we go through Facebook, we go through Instagram, and we see the words entrepreneur in the feed. We see cars, we see women, we see houses, and we see this lifestyle <laughs> that we want to emulate. But the problem is, there's a gap between where we are now and how we're going to get there. Charlie, can that's you speak? Right. Your, your life wasn't always this way. Can you speak on the hard times that you actually had to go through to get here uh, to this point? Well, I mean, even my last five years here, I started at zero. Mm. You know, now I have 105 um, accounts. I have some of the top speakers um, and trainers in the world as clients. Not only, if, you know, um, I serve them with our software and, and, and our services and our camera people that, that help them in the studio. But, you know, I've had one-on-ones with them that some of them charge, you know, 10, 20, 30 grand, right, to, to, to sit and, and coach people. So um, it's been an incredible experience as far as my past five years. But I started with zero. What does that look like emotionally, going through that five years, starting at zero, now you have 105? What does it look like? How does it feel? How, how does it feel? What does it look like from, feels, a, from the therapist's hey, perspective? Listen, there's no secret sauce. I walked in today and I didn't write a deal today, right? I got out a couple proposals today, but I didn't write a deal. Well, I'm not happy about that, right? I didn't, I didn't generate revenue. So, and I'm financially secure. When you don't have it, you, you, you compounded it. It's a very you know, dark, lonely, fearful position to be in because that doubt creeps into your mind and you say, am I doing the right thing? I had this conversation with another buddy of mine that's a waiter here in town. He makes, he makes a good living. He's going to have a kid. He's like, I can't, I can't be doing this. I've been like, dude, what's stopping you? He speaks two languages. Do you speak two languages? I don't, right? I said, you speak Italian and you speak English, you're charismatic. You're selling every single day that you walk up to a table, right? I said, you need to step out. What's holding you back? It, 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 it's fear. I said, well, I, I said, aren't you, aren't you afraid that the money that you're making, you're not going to be able to support your kid? Ironically, Greg, Greg and I were talking about that in the vehicle, about someone saying entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm nervous about going becoming an entrepreneur because of the, I'm nervous that I'm not going to make the money. Yeah, and that and that term I think too is entrepreneur and don't take this out of context everybody. It, it's kind of a a broad term that's used. Mm -hmm. right? Now now if, it if is. You, if if you're if you're walking in to a sales position, right, where you're working commission only or you're working on a small draw plus commission or a small salary plus commission, I mean I would venture to say that you have an entrepreneurial mentality. And whether you are going to start your own business, which I've had many small businesses in my life. I started you know, uh, a concrete distributorship here in town, just had a wife, a guy that I was working with said, you're out, you're done, had a company car, I had no company car, I was down to my last 15 grand and I just put it into a house. And this wasn't that long ago, this was like 16, 17 
years ago, I was starting over with a brand new wife and a brand new kid, but I knew how to sell, mm. right? So I took a product, I started knocking doors, one thing leads to another. I'm doing all these high-rise condos, supplying this floor-leveling product to high-rise condos here in Vegas. Now I'm the first guy in. People are going, hey, I need shades, I need marble. I can help you with that. So when you're involved in the sales process, there's always auxiliary streams of revenue in most instances that you can pull in to the equation. In my case, I started out selling interior concrete and sound control flooring by knocking doors, right? That led to me going into a customer and saying, hey, I need shades. I'll get those for you. Now I'm in the shade business. I need flooring laid. I'd go find the flooring guy and say, hey, what if I can bring you, you know, five jobs a month you never right. had? What do you think that flooring guy says? What, I, what, I, what I've noticed in, in your story is that your ability to sell, you were able to transition out even though someone kicked you out to the curb. You, you took that ability, that skill, and you took it somewhere else to get yourself back up out of the water. I, I, I went into this guy's apartment. He bought a shell a condo. It was just a concrete floor. I went in leveled out the floor, put sound control flooring in there so when you lay the flooring and you walk, you can't hear the noise in the apartment below. Every owner had to do that. I came into his building a week later into his unit and he had samples of shades, shade samples. Mm -hmm. He said, you're going to go in the shade business. I said, dude, I don't know about shades. He goes, you know how to sell, man. He goes, you're the first guy in there. Don't you think every person in those high-rise condos is going to need shades? I said, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. Shades, entertainment centers, furniture. I was the whole nine yards. Whole, whole nine yards, but you have to get out and expose. I was exposed, right, to a three, four, five, six hundred million dollar construction project, right, where I was the first guy in. Somebody saw something in me and an opportunity, another opportunity opened. I started at light speed because the general contractor, when Brad was building out this office, called my office on a Friday night at 4 o'clock and said, I forgot to spec in all the commercial shades in this job. I said, dude, I can't get there till Monday. We're, I can't even order them. If I came, now I can't even measure and get the order into the factory. Convinced me to come to the office. I show up. I measure. I order the shades. I come back a couple weeks later after my guy installs them. Bradley gets off the elevator. I kn I've known Brad since the early 90s, right? I'm out. I'm exposed. Brad says, look at the technology. You know, unloaded my businesses over the past five years, and here I sit. So you have to expose yourself. Sell. Find a product or service to distribute. There's no limit to the income that you can make. If people screw you in the sales game, if they don't pay you, what they promise you and you're good and you've practiced your craft, you have a built-in insurance policy. Because I can go anywhere and sell any type of product or any type of service and generate revenue because at the end of the day, we're all, we're all in the customer acquisition business, no matter what, no matter what we're doing. Powerful. We, need, we need to inquire customers. And we're all salespeople. I didn't used to think I was a salesperson, but think about it. We had to ask that girl out. Right, mm, we, no had to, we had to we had to sell ourselves. So I never thought I was a salesperson until probably a year ago. And my 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 buddy uh, Ken Walls would say, "Greg, you sold a hell of a lot of tacos, 
you sold franchises. You are, but I just I thought of a salesperson as someone who's selling furniture or selling homes. I didn't think me as selling franchises or food, but we're all salespeople. We sell ourselves. And Andy, we talk about this all the time. I just saw a guy come back from Hong Kong when I got off the plane, right? right. I forgot my book. He saw my book there and I said, uh, he said, oh, is this your book? I said, great, take it. I said, no, you can have one, I'll give you one. Found out he's from Tokyo. So now we started talking. He said, hey, let me give you your, uh, my card. So now we have that connection. Like Charlie says, and Dave Thomas always taught me, every situation is a sales situation. No question. Everyone. So you have you can be the prettiest supermodel in the world, but but if you're back in that corner, no one's going to notice you. You got to get That's out in the world. Exactly what he was, what he's saying when he says expose right. and close. That's right. So but but regardless of getting exposure and closing, what you need in between is training, and that's why. We want you to come to the sales, the sales Growth Conference taking place at the Los Angeles Marriott Hotel. I'm a 22-year-old published author. Where I come from, I come from the ghettos of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. It's not so nice there. I moved to Los Angeles and I did two things. I wanted to focus on two things, networking and educating myself, learning how I can go to that next level in my business and in my life and then get myself around these top individuals like these. I, within the last year, I met these individuals. Omar Perryu, Eric Stoller, Les Brown, these individuals are now my friends. And within the last year, I was able to do so, take my life to another level because I was in the right place at the right time. So I invite you and your friends to come to the Sales Growth Conference, taking place once again at the LAX Marriott Hotel, September 29th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. You want to be there. You do not want to miss this event. For more information, Go to salesgrowthcon.com.